0: This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.
1: Good morning, Memphis. You're listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. Meanwhile in Memphis is a program dedicated to conversations that celebrate the organizations, initiatives, and people that are shaping Memphis for the better. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you by New Memphis, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to develop, activate, and retain the city's most important resource, its people. Your hosts today are me, Rebecca Daly and Anna Thompson. Before we dive into our conversation today, we have a couple of upcoming civic activation opportunities and civic education events. Early voting began on Friday and will go through Saturday, September 30th. This means you can vote at any polling location and you can also vote on Election Day, October 5th. If you want to learn a little bit about the community before you get engaged in voting, you can attend Memphis 101. This is going on today at the Brooks Museum of Art. It's a great opportunity to get a crash course in Memphis history and culture. It's free and we will provide some drinks and snacks. Also coming up is The Link Up. This is a great opportunity to meet other Minthians. That's happening tomorrow, September 20th at Tom Lee Park. And following all of that fun is Celebrate What's Right coming up on October 17th. So mark your calendars. We are a city with momentum and we are taking a look backward to see how we can propel the community forward through adaptive reuse in our community. Join us for networking, lunch, and an opportunity to hear from of uh, the thought leaders and movers and shakers in the adaptive reuse space here in Memphis.
0: And speaking of some oldies but goodies, today we're having a conversation about what it means to age in Memphis. We'll be discussing what creates and maintains healthy communities for life, vital aging, combating isolation, and building community connections. Joining us today are Mia Henley, the Executive Director of Creative Aging, and Kim Doherty, the Executive Director of the Aging Commission of the Mid-South. Please join us in welcoming Kim and Mia to the studio to remind us that age is just a number, not an indication of your ability. Welcome Mia and Kim, how are y'all this morning? Wonderful. Thanks, Anna.
2: Great. Thank you for uh, inviting me to participate in the program.
0: Absolutely. Um, We'd love to get started by having each of you share a little bit about yourselves and then your respective organizations. So, Mia, would you like to go first?
3: Sure. I'm I'm Mia Henley. I'm the Executive Director of Creative Aging Memphis. Um, We are an organization dedicated to enriching older adults' lives through the arts So we operate several programs that reach people in 28 or 30 zip code areas in the city that have to do with bringing music and art to places that seniors live and gather, um, as well as um, holding community-based events at museums, theaters, uh, senior centers, etc. Lots and lots of locations.
2: Great. Thank you. Yeah, Kim. Yeah, uh, Kim Darty, I'm the Executive Director of the Aging Commission of the Mid-South, and we are the designated area agency on aging and disability in this area, supporting people who live in Fayette, Lauderdale, Shelby, and Tipton counties. And we really work with people to help them uh, maximize their independence and safety in their chosen community as they age. As we get into this conversation about aging and
1: use the term senior, at what age does one become a senior? And is there a
0: universal definition for that among anyone in the sector or different cities, organizations? Is there a typical age cutoff or time frame that any sister cities or even just the city likes to use? So,
2: uh, you know, AARP lets you sign up at 55. So a lot of people think that's the, the golden year, so to speak. Uh, the services that we provide generally start at 60. And that's about federal legislation that uh, pays for the particular programs and sponsors the programs. And that's really the federal government's age that they begin. But, you know, I, I, I'm i one of those people who thinks – uh. Being being older or a senior is what you feel, not who you are, you know, kind of thing. And you know, so we're always, uh, you know, looking to help people who who find themselves in situations as they are aging who really need help. And so I know you guys uh, kind of are in that business too of keeping people moving and going.
3: We're we're all about um, active, vibrant, healthy aging, and we we don't have a hard and fast rule about who we will serve but we do have a lot of grant funding that wants our um, participants to be over 65 and older so we tend to say 65 to 105 Um, that is a 40-year span and people are in lots of different places during that 40 years and so their needs and how we reach them and engage them change um,
2: during that time Yeah, we really find the same thing as sometimes uh, uh, when we meet someone, they're really still very independent and accessing us on their own. And then as they age, they sometimes get someone else who's helping them access us. And so, you know, we're, we're there to meet that need of the person wherever they may be in the process.
1: In terms of our community, roughly how much of the population is made up by seniors?
2: Yeah so uh, the state of Tennessee put these nice figures out and they say in Shelby County about 195,000 people are 60 and over. Oh wow that's a large number.
3: It's a large number and what's really interesting about that is how it's expected to grow in the next 10 years. It will be by 2030 to 200 and almost 15,000 and really as a nation the number of people 65 and older will exceed the number of people under 18 in um, just about 20 years so you know the the way we think about older adults is going to change too as they become the largest part of our population.
0: Absolutely. Um, and- I have an older figure that said, that, so this is from 2017, so many, very old, but uh, 47 million adults over the age of 65 live in the United States.
1: Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, yeah,
0: I'm sure it's more <laughs> now and will and, we'll, and we'll in, in, continue to increase.
1: Well, and, and with some of the programming that each of your organizations provide to help an aging population continue to not just survive, but to thrive, what are you seeing in terms of folks still in the workforce that are sixty plus compared to maybe where we were twenty years ago? Is is there a difference there?
3: Uh, I think. I mean, yes, um, absolutely. It, it, as far as what we see, and and I know Kim sees even a broader uh, swath of the community than Creative Aging does. But people are working longer. And so being a, what it means to be a, a senior or an older adult today is really different. Um, I'm, Creative Aging started a program, for example, in 2016 that we wanted to have daytime theater for older adults. And we still do. And it's great. We work with lots of community partners and have community-based events at Theater Memphis, which has 400 seats. It's super easy to get in and out. And and we do it for a price that's, you know, it's $5. So it's It's about a no barrier situation. But now, even just eight years later, we have all these people saying, "Why aren't you doing things at night? Because what these these folks are like, "What do you mean? i'm sixty five? Of course I drive at night. i'm seventy five. Of course, I go out at night. Are you kidding? You know, And so it's just changing because people are living longer and longer and they're healthier and more engaged. They're all on the internet. They're all buying things on their phones, you know, using Zoom and things like that. So it's really changed. Technology has helped
1: people stay more engaged, too, you know. So it sounds like we've gotten a lot of resources within the community. But I'm curious about some of the barriers that the aging population faces. Why do these resources exist?
2: Yeah, I I would think for lots of people and uh, in, in people who are aging or are they're a little older but the barriers in their life are common to lots of other people in the community so barriers might be income barriers might be housing barriers might be access to health care i mean uh, we really are working to try to tackle those things on behalf of an aging population where there are others in our community who are experiencing those very same things. And the, the, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is incredibly fascinating about working with what we would call people who are getting older is so self-revealing, I'm about 59 and a half. And the way I approach getting older is not the way somebody who is 70 approaches getting older. My, my, n- Professional career. I used a computer. I use the internet. I'm happy to fill out a form on my phone. Uh, but sometimes I meet people who are 15 years older than me, and that's really they're not as comfortable with that. And so we have to offer them a little more assistance if we're trying to get something like that done. And so I say this to people all the time: like we are we are serving multi generational people. Who are aging, and a lot of times pe- people don't. They're like, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're talking about, right? Like, people throw all aging people in some big, you know, category and think that's aging people. The truth is, that's not true. We have, you know, people who are, uh, you know, I would say 60 to 70. People who are 70 to 80, people who are 80 to 90, and we meet people who are 90 plus and how they need us to approach them and where we need to meet them to help them get the support they need. It's totally different.
3: It's totally different. And I think it's I love hearing you say that because it is something that we see in in our work too. People talk about 65 to 105 year old people as if they're one group. And I think, you know, I have three uh, older, you know, sons, teenage plus sons. You never would talk about zero to 40 as one age. I mean, what do we have? <laughs> we have the infant. We have the toddler. We have the kindergarten. We have the school. We have the high school. I mean, it goes on and on. There are, there are 10 different categories probably for that first 40 years of life. Yet society looks at this last 40 years and says, Oh, it checks they're, one box. <laughs> they're all the same. But they're not. And so Kim is exactly right. What we need to offer to older adults as a community is not just one thing. Um, but in terms of barriers, you know what's interesting? One, I, I completely agree with what Kim said about, you know, the people that, that she and I serve are facing the same barriers that that lots of people in the community face. But one thing that's that's maybe a little bit more unique to the 60 or 65 plus crowd is isolation and i you know as we are raising kids or building careers or volunteering as young people building our networks we're around other folks all the time but when you retire whenever that is and you no longer have that constant engagement from work and if you if you did have a family they're probably not living with you anymore and so Sometimes people are suffering loss, the loss of a partner, spouse, et cetera. It's, it's hard to fill that day. And so really what we want people, you know, what we hope to offer is to give them some opportunities to stay connected to the community, engaged, you know, through creativity, through doing things together, through these, um, you know, the arts can serve as a bridge in community to connect people from very diverse socioeconomic, educational, demographic backgrounds. Absolutely.
0: Um something you that struck my um mind when you were talking is that also the the loss of purpose in some of that too. It's not just, you know, the human to human like one to one it's that, you know, hey, I, if I was a homemaker and now I don't have anyone to cook for, I don't have anyone to wash for, I don't have. So whatever that looks like, whether it's, you know, running a Fortune 500 company or running your household, um, it the lack of purpose kind of, I think, leaves people feel unmoored a little bit. And so being able to engage with other people mm-hmm. is a stopgap for that isolation and kind of.
3: It It is, and the sense of purpose is also tied to a sense of confidence, and so it's funny when people walk into an art class, for example, and they're going to come week after week for, say, eight weeks, and it's great because they build community with the other attendees and they make new friends. I mean, we have people say, I haven't made as many new friends since I was in the fourth grade. You know, this is amazing. This is great. But they also develop a sense of purpose. Um, even if it isn't you know, saving the world, they they have a plan um of what they're going to accomplish in this class, and the confidence. And I see the confidence translate into the areas where Kim's, where the aging commission gets involved, which has to do more with health, you know, like actually accessing health services and things like that, that to be able to flip that mindset from an I can't to an I can and and that's really that's success for us, yeah.
2: I think uh, you are spot on with thinking about purpose. Uh, I'm thinking about a, f- a friend of mine who uh, managed an organization similar to mine in East Tennessee, and she's in her early 70s and retired uh, last fall. And so we were going to a, um, uh, uh, a seminar recently and it was an overnight sort of thing and we were all there and we're like you know when are you staying when you're leaving she's like I gotta leave first thing in the morning because I gotta be back by a you know certain time to play pickleball with my group because I can't you know I can't let my team down you know we play every Thursday and I've got to be back by 2 30 to play and so you know and this is somebody I've known for for several years and she was not a particularly athletic person in her younger years but that group now has become such an important part of what she does and this was a super busy competent person and as she's transitioning you know uh she's spent a lot more time with her grandkids she's loving that but she's also found this pickleball group right and so like that's real purpose mm-hmm. and uh it, we end up uh helping working with people who maybe attend a senior center or something like that. And we're always working there to get programs in there that uh, will help people maintain their health and even better their health possibly because we know if you keep health, then you can keep purpose much longer. And if you keep purpose, then you're, probability of becoming more isolated is reduced and you know i i would be uh, i I think honest with you all the people who we meet who are really isolated are the people who are declining no matter their age more rapidly than other folks Mm -hmm. isolation is uh you know critical yeah, yeah it's, it's a I, would, I, I would I would compare it with heart disease or diabetes or something like that I mean right. isolation is really such a, a detrimental factor in our lives uh, as we age and and frankly even when we're younger in our mental health and that sort of thing and and the way we the way we make it through the world every day
0: right we've talked um, with numerous people since the pandemic about the mental health issues that um, have kind of put everything, the pandemic put it in a pressure cooker is what we like to say, and just kind of sped up the ways in which we're figuring out that isolation, no matter your age, is a really important thing to, you know, that connectivity that we need, the community, the plug-in, those ties, where you're able to walk arm in arm with someone, whether it's the pickleball, you know, court, or whether it's dancing or theater or whatever it is. Um, Kim, I'm curious with the Aging Commission of the Mid-South, what services are available to seniors through the commission and how much of it is kind of connected to social determinants of health?
2: So I'll, I will talk about the services we offer and then we can talk about social determinants of health. But I'm sure when I mention these services, you'll go, oh, yeah, that one or this one. Yeah, but they all fall in line. They <laughs> all fall in line. Uh, We offer adult daycare to seniors who are experiencing uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, It's very important to them and their families, uh, that sort of service. Uh, We sponsor meals for folks, and uh, some of those are in what we call congregate settings, meaning they're at a, 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 a a, build, a high-rise building they live in or a community center or that type of thing. And then we also sponsor home-delivered meals to seniors who have more difficulty getting out. Uh, in addition, we provide homemaker, personal care, and respite in homes of persons. Uh, we uh, purchase some legal aid and legal assistance from the Memphis Area Legal Services for Seniors yeah um, we have a couple of programs that work on responding to elder abuse uh, one where people are victims of crime and they can be referred to us uh, by a certain uh, people who've identified that crime and we respond to that we have a, a direct contract with Adult Protective Services where they alert us to people who they meet who are really having a hard time caring for themselves and we try to intervene and help them plan for services. We um, have someone in our office who is dedicated to helping people access SNAP services. We have a group of employees who are dedicated to helping people with their Medicare Uh, Medicare Open Enrollment's coming up. That's huge. It's huge. And so in about 10 minutes, your TV and your radio and everything you see, there's going to be somebody somewhere trying to sell seniors things. And so we don't try to sell anybody anything. We work with you on what your uh, needs are, who your doctors are, what your prescriptions are. We put all of that into a program, and we give you the information on what is best financially for you and you get to choose, uh, which is invaluable to people. Uh, We offer some transportation. um, And then we serve as the guardian for about 45 people. We make all financial and healthcare decisions on their behalf. And these are people who really have no one left in the world to help them with that stuff. And we are appointed by the courts to, um, to fit that need and uh, then in addition one of the the larger functions is we serve as a single point of entry if you want long-term care services funded by the state of tennessee's medicaid program uh, you would come to us and we would help you get the information together and forward that on to the state to see if you might be eligible for long-term care services that are funded by the state so we uh, We have a lot going on. I was about to say, no small feet. Yeah, (laughs) we have a lot going on.
0: And each one of those things is not a small undertaking in and of itself either.
2: No, we work with about 30 partners in the communities throughout the four counties I mentioned, uh, contracting with them to provide these various services services. uh, another service that we sponsor is an ombudsman service where we are sending someone into nursing facilities, long-term care facilities, uh, assisted living facilities, and that those individuals are then contacted by the people living there to say, I'm having these difficulties with my care or with the services I'm being provided. Could you help me advocate for myself? Uh, so uh, we have lots going on.
0: I'm going to share, I'm going to self-report also my naivete that I don't know that I've ever heard the term adult protective services, which is, I feel like goes back to our previous point of the way that society lumps, you know, 60 plus into one thing, but you wouldn't lump the first 40 years of your life into one thing. I've heard of child protective services. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of adult protective services before this conversation. And so that in and of itself shows me that there is kind of blinders on in terms of what it looks like and the resources that are available.
2: Yeah, and you by law are an obligated uh, reporter if you see any adult, vulnerable adult being abused or neglected, but that's such a little known thing that most people don't know that.
0: Wow, 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 wow. So Mia um, and Kim, can y'all share a little bit about how your organizations work together to kind of tackle these barriers and challenges head on? Um,
3: yeah, absolutely. So we engage with older adults all over the community. We um, we reach seniors about 36,000 times last year through our different programs. Not 36,000 people, <laughs> just, you know, different, different touches. But we are able to share the resources that the Aging Commission provides at a lot of our events and through um, different communications that we have. So if Kim... Um, says, hey, here's a new um, flyer about these different resources that are available from the Aging Commission. We can share that resource out to the, you know, about four thousand people that we regularly communicate with about arts engagement programs, and they're really interested in that. And and we share other resources as well, or other, um, you know, related things that are beneficial for older adults, and and that's great. The Aging Commission helps sponsor. Um, some of our programs, and so we're grateful for that support. It allows our our programs to be free. Uh, People like the Aging Commission, organizations like the Aging Commission allow our programs to be um, available to people no
2: matter what their financial circumstances are. And so for us, it's super important to me that we not only support people and meet people who find us, but that we support and meet people in different places Mm -hmm. and so i really saw the organization of creative aging as a different spot so we get all kinds of calls from doctors offices and facilities and you know when people are in real trouble right they reach out to us but i felt like it was super important that we find ways to reach out to people who aren't in big trouble and let them know about the stuff we're doing and also just uh make sure people understand that this this exists in their community and you might not need it today but oh i remember hearing about mm-hmm. and uh just making sure that we were finding our way to the homes of all sorts of people who were aging not just people who found themselves in an emergency one morning or really needing it's,
3: outreach it's true you know that to, to enable people to advocate for themselves um because they have the knowledge and whether they need it or they have a friend who needs it because um older adults know each other and so getting the word out there about what's available is is really critical
2: yeah it's it's super important and uh you know we're, we're just always looking for partners who are a little different than we are right like uh You know, we meet older people lots of times because they have a a real need. They find us. Mia meets people lots of times because they have other kinds of needs. They have needs for entertainment or they have needs to to get out more or to do something cool with their friends or whatever. And so finding that intersection and, you know, making sure that people know about both of us is is really important.
1: And I think that intersection is so interesting to to dig into that you've got kind of the the absolute needs and tactics to take care of the population in terms of their physical mental health and the intersection of mental health and wellness with the arts and creativity. I'm um, curious if you've you know got an understanding of the sort of impact that having a creative outlet and a social outlet provides the community. Um,
3: Yeah, we we evaluate all of our programs, so um, last year we had um, about uh, 600 hours of art classes that older adults attended, and we had about a thousand musical performances and, and things like that, and we get feedback from all of those. And what we ask, what we're trying to do is help people feel more socially connected, um, did they, you know, have an opportunity to to express creativity? Um, do they feel healthier? Do they feel more vibrant? And we ask all these questions, and just consistently, all, like nine point eight times out of ten, every box is checked. Is did you feel this? Did you feel this? Did you feel this? And we we can just feel that impact from the fact that the um, the concert series events, which which take place at Theater Memphis, four hundred seat theater sell out in seven hours Um, the classes have waiting lists for 20 30 40 people every single time so um, I think you know it's while it's anecdotal in terms of the evaluation feedback that we get it is consistently saying the same thing is that you know it goes to that thriving not just living but thriving during your years 65 plus Um, but we also know from I mean we could fill rooms with the academic studies that have been done that are not anecdotal where there have been two cohorts of people and group A was 150 people like health like age people who participated in the arts three or more times a week over six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it was and then cohort B was a group who did not and what were the outcomes and the outcomes and the the study I'm referencing is sort of the seminal study that was done in 2006 by Dr. Gene Cohen, who is a uh, professor uh, at George Washington University. But this is what sort of started the avalanche of research about arts and aging and the benefits. But it found that the people that were engaged had less falls, used less prescription medication, had less hospitalizations, had a better sense of self, greater confidence, which we know translates into better self care. And better health, a sense of purpose—all these things that we've been talking about. So, there's there's lots of evidence out there.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's it's physical and mental acuity mm-hmm. that are really increased by participating in such activities. It's really important. Uh, you know, uh, I think I mentioned we sponsor some senior centers. Mia's and her group are involved in nearly all of those senior centers, right? And. So when we meet people, we and who are looking to add to their what they're doing with seniors, we'll say, "Hey, have you guys reached out to the folks at Creative Aging? Do you know about them? Uh, Here's the number. Call over there. You know, this might be a good partner for you." So,
0: so I I know you already mentioned that uh, everything has wait lists and everything sells out and everything, which is amazing. So congratulations. (laughs) I am curious though for somebody who thinks that this might not be for them, maybe they're not super confident yet in their abilities maybe they think you know i can't do that or i wasn't a, a painter i've never tap danced i've never you know mm-hmm. i've only been to two plays my entire life so how would i you know why would i get involved in something like this like i'm it doesn't sound like we have many of those which is great but i mean even myself i'll use the pickleball example i recently took pickleball lessons and i felt like a fish out of water and i was like i'm i'm 33 and i was like i applaud the 80 80- the 60 80 90, people who are in the same class as me I was like because I feel like nuts trying to learn something new and not be down on myself or like not to be able to persevere and come back mm-hmm. with something that is hard mm-hmm. and so I'm curious how you address things like that if somebody says oh that's nice for other people but maybe not for me mm-hmm. I hear that I hear that all the time um
3: and, I, and a lot of times I'll say, you know, I know we probably have some listeners out there who are saying, oh, this isn't for me, but just try it. Just try it. And and really, um, I think in a lot of ways for a lot of people who haven't had a lot of arts engagement, give, give yourself a break. You are raising kids. You are working one job. Maybe you are working three jobs and doing your housework and growing a garden and all these other things. So you might not feel like you have much creativity, but you might just not have had the chance yet. Um, and music, music reaches people. I mean, there are so many types of music and it's such a part of the the fabric of our culture here that that can be a great starting point for people. So if they say, you know, I'm not really ready to take a, a mosaics class or to learn how to play the dulcimer, but I'll, I'll go to a concert. I'll go um, sit out in the crowd and, and maybe just be a passive participant at first. And then that can pique the curiosity. And so, you know, we go like when Kim was talking earlier about, you know, they serve people who live in. Um, senior um, housing um, communities which we have many of in Memphis and we go to those same communities and we began doing that when the congregate meals you know the group meals were being offered and so you know sort of like people are familiar with Meals on Wheels and MIFA but this is instead of them going door to door everybody comes down to a common room and eats together and so we would bring uh, a you know a musician or you know somebody to engage the crowd, and then all of a sudden you could see these real relationships you know starting to build. Because, look, guys, when we're when we're eighteen and we go live in a dorm, that's that's like that's one thing. But when you're seventy five or maybe older, and all of a sudden you go live in a building with a bunch of people you don't know, it's that's a harder that's a harder transition. And so to have something like the meals, like music, like an art class that gives people an excuse to come down and be a part of the community and to begin to form a true community in this new
0: space, um, it it really makes a big impact. We've been talking a lot about the participants of both of your organizations and programming. I'm curious to um how often y'all are contacted by like a caregiver or um, a child of, you know, or um, a sandwich generation, if you will. I think a lot of my friends are now going through that. I mentioned I'm 33. And I think we thought we would be a little older when we had like sandwich generation kind of issues about like caregiving for parents while also having young children. And so it's a little bit frazzling. And so I'm curious how many people like wave a white flag and say, hi, can you help me?
2: Yeah, so for me, I hear from those folks every single day uh, who are uh, who are struggling now and looking for ways to meet the needs of a family of a family member who's aging and needs help and so uh, we we offer a set of services directed for what we call caregivers. and so uh, the caregiver is actually our "Quote unquote client," and we so the person they're caring for may be receiving some homemaker and personal assistance services, but we literally consider that caregiver our client, and so we may also help them access some counseling services or think about their greater needs that are unmet, uh, so they can continue to be a good support for that person they are caregiving for. But we hear from those folks every single day. Mm
3: -hmm. We hear from them, too. Probably not as much as as Kim does. But uh, people just worry to death about their parents because a lot of times they may not live here. And they're like, my mom, it's just she doesn't have anything to do. And she doesn't know where to go and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really important for people to know that they can call us. And when the adult children call us and ask for help, we can help direct them. Um, we get calls too, I, I say, you need to call the Aging Commission, you know, we don't have healthcare services, but I know who does. So let us direct you this way. Um, so we try to work together to get people to the right resource, but it's um, it's a
2: challenge. It really is, I, that's so funny you say that, I get calls from people all over the United States who are telling me what's going on with their mom, and I'm like, so is your mom ready to do some stuff? Well, I don't know if she's ready yet. And i am be like, okay, so, you know, your mom's <laughs> kind of got to be ready. Otherwise, we can't do whatever, right? And then sometimes I'll say, you know, I don't know if you know about her, but there's a group called Creative Aging in our community, and they do a lot of arts-oriented stuff. And if you're if you're looking to just try to keep your mom involved and out of the house and doing some stuff, you guys should call over there. Like they might have some stuff that your mom would want to participate in. Because a lot of times people are beginning to recognize that mom's slowing down. Right. And sometimes children and mom have a different opinion of where you don't what, say. yeah, <laughs> And and neither are right and neither are wrong. Yeah. Right. And you have to find that space in between for both people and sometimes neither person is totally satisfied with the answer but you accept that answer right like no I am going to go out at 7 p.m. to this event and I'm sorry if you think I shouldn't be driving at 7 p.m. or should be at that location at 7 p.m. but I'm going there okay so then we're like okay how could we make that okay for you well, you know, uh if I knew where she was all the time and we're like, well, that's pretty easy if you got a phone, like <laughs> they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know, does your mom have a phone? Well, yeah. Well, I'm like, you know, people who I know, I can give them permission to know where my phone's at all the time, like
0: 360.
2: 60. Yeah, and people are like <laughs> People do it with uh, teenagers all the time. Yeah. What's the difference? And people are like oh wow I hadn't even thought about that about my mom but I do that with my kids I'm like I've talked to my mom about that like maybe that's something that she would feel comfortable with and they're like oh okay well we'll do that right but but there's a balance to all of that I think finding the balance of autonomy and
1: independence as well as acknowledging that someone cares about you enough to know where you are yeah, and, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and don't we all uh, struggle with that balance every day, no matter how absolutely. old we are? Isn't that a you know universal for, from the time we're two? Isn't that a a, a pull and tug and a push into this and a that until we're not? I mean, that's just all part of 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 life. But again, you know, people lump people who are aging into one big category, and you just can't do that.
0: I would love to hear both of your opinion on um, the community impact that seniors have on the Memphis community in general. Um, For example, I went to, I had jury duty a few years back. And part of the announcement that they made, which kind of made me chuckle, was like, if you think you're going to get out of this because you're older, you're wrong because we value your wisdom. And I was like, good point. So I'm curious what each of you would say is the overall impact to the Memphis community by welcoming seniors kind of more into the fold than maybe we already do, or maybe we're doing a great job at it. I don't know. I think we're,
3: um, Hmm. I think in America, we probably aren't doing the job of welcoming and lifting up older adults like we should be. And I think we can look to our friends in uh, Western Europe and Asia and see the way that um, the older uh, generations are treated and see that it is very, very different here. Um, I mean, I, sometimes it feels like people, you know, would would arrest you and call the police if they found out that you left your um, animal unattended and ignored in a room all day. Just, you know, food and water, but no love, no attention, whatever. Yet there's a there's a willingness to dismiss um older people at least in some places you know um but but on a more positive note there there are so many older people in memphis who are the pillars of this community um who are leading at much much older ages and i think if we look around we can see more and more older people all over the country who are pillars so hopefully it's shifting you know the the youth focus to the exclusion of everything else is shifting because young people are important but older people are important too and i'm always arguing that they should get you know i love children i have three children but we can't give it all to the children we've got to give some of our resources and our attention and our focus to all the generations that are part of our community
2: yeah and i think you alluded to this early on mia but in a decade, there will be more people over the age of 60 than there will be people under the age of 18 in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. So that's like 15 minutes from now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, dec- uh, yes, it'll go my life has flash. taught me decades <laughs> go by pretty fast. Who knew, right? And so, I mean, to, to that point, uh, I think we have work to do and understanding the value of people who are older and so uh, i have occasionally called myself an old social worker and my friends encourage me to call myself an experienced social worker but i i will say to you that um sometimes people view people who are aging as takers from society not contributing any longer and in america when we view you that way we find ways to devalue you let's just be frank and honest about this conversation and so as long as we continue that mindset as opposed to what you were saying about eastern european mindset or asian mindset about people who are aging and that whole whole cycle of life kind of thing, I think we will continue to have have difficulty. Uh, And we will begin to see it play out politically, I think, probably within the next decade. Uh, You know, we have had this tremendous focus on services for younger people. And if you look about the creation of, of services and supports this vast associated with younger people i think older people will begin to voice their political power in a different way than we've ever seen in this country
0: interesting but yeah i mean we've had lots of conversations about what creates and maintains a healthy community here in memphis and you know nationally and around the world and so i do feel like it takes everybody like yes youth are important but so is every other sector
2: and so fast so what strikes me about that is when people talk about what creates great community you know who hardly ever gets called to the table to do that people over the age of 60.
0: so that's a challenge then it is to our
2: listeners
3: yeah it's a challenge like just add them in you may be amazed at the ideas the resources the energy um, and the willingness, because they they may not be quite as busy as you are. They may have more space because they are at a different, they're retired or they're at a different point in their career. And so they can um, really enrich and enliven conversations about what's next. Um, you know, uh, the Brooks Museum, one of our partners, is really uh, on a journey to um, bring Uh, to make the museum even more appealing for older adults. And we've been working with this on, uh, with them on this. And, you know, for example, they have a a committee to look at accessibility at the new, at the new museum and it's young people like young, young and older people talking together about what matters and how do we make this space, a space all of us want to be. And I love that. I think that's fantastic.
0: Absolutely. That's amazing. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm curious, what brought each of you into this work and why did you choose to pursue careers in this field in Memphis?
2: So I uh, came to Memphis in uh, 1986 as a social work intern and I fell in love with Memphis and I could have gone anywhere in the world I wanted to go to pursue a career in social work and I chose Memphis. And I have always said this, if you have the heart to help people or just to help, Memphis is the place for you. Because here's the thing. If you're willing to do the work, you will be accepted in this community. You you might not be from here originally. You might not be rich and famous. But if you're willing to do the work, people will accept you in this community. And so if your passion is older people or dogs and cats or children or Whatever it is you say your passion is, if you're willing to put in the work, it can happen for you in this community. And uh, that really manifests itself in uh, so many kinds of ways in this community. But I've I, i I've just always believed in this community and believed in the spirit of this community. Uh, that whole grit and grind thing, I, I buy into that. I believe that about this community. I, I grew up in a quote-unquote blue-collar family and so I have a real appreciation for that mindset and that we will strive to be better tomorrow than we were today and I've just always wanted to be a part of that and uh, so I've chosen to spend nearly all of my career in this community I love that that's great
3: Kim Um, I uh, am different I was born and raised in Memphis and I started my career in law and did that for a number of years. Then I raised kids for a while and I got involved with uh, consulting. I worked for a consulting firm that worked exclusively with nonprofit organizations. And so I had this amazing education for about eight years of going into some of the the best and most innovative and dynamic nonprofits in Memphis and helping their boards, um, develop strategic plans helping the organizations develop in in many different ways and after doing that for for about eight years i was like you know what i want to be in i want to be a part of the change in a different way instead of going in and helping other people see the path forward and then leaving to go to the next organization and helping them I want to lead an organization forward myself. I want to be the boots on the ground that stays and implements the strategic plan. So uh, it was just sort of serendipitous. Um, I was always close to grandparents and things like that, but it wasn't that I was so like looking to work with older people as much as I was looking to right a wrong, to work with a group of people or with a mission where I felt like something would be better because of the work that i was doing that that uh groups or individuals lives would be improved and you know when you see how older adults can be treated and how they can kind of be marginalized and ignored no matter what their socioeconomic status i was like you know this is a great organization because it lifts people up and it and it helps them thrive and it helps them find joy and connection and community and Talk about being Memphis being a place that will really take you in and make you feel loved and a and a, part of, a part of life here. Um, I see that happening all the time. And so I like providing a forum where people can be a part of that great community and stay connected.
2: And I would just say in full disclosure, uh, Mia and I met each other while she was in that role. And I was the executive director of a nonprofit here in town called Friends for Life, which is one of the largest providers of services to people living with HIV in the United States. And I was the executive director over there for about eight years, seven or eight years. And uh, me and her partners really came in and helped me with a strategic plan. And so, you know, again, serendipity, you meet People along the way you meet people in your path on your path and you stay connected with them and uh, you find ways to build community and that connectivity and so I like to think that that's what me and I do we build uh, community uh, with connectivity between us and then all the other people we know who are also in our circle and so you know, Mia needs a resource she knows to call me, and I might not have it, but I'll know somebody who can help, and I need a resource, I call Mia, and she might not have it, but she knows how to help me find other people in the circle. And and that's what community is, right? And so we engage in community.
0: And it takes us all for that healthy community, just like um, your friends over at Friends for Life, we had them on our podcast Maybe a few months ago now, like you said, time goes in a minute. Yes. But um, yeah, for the great work that they're doing with our community to also create healthy community. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. it really is. Wow, y'all have been um, moving and shaking in Memphis for a while. So thank you for using your efforts to help our um, more senior, more wise citizens. We really appreciate all the work y'all are doing.
1: Well, thank you. Love it. Before we wrap up our conversation, can each of you share how folks can get connected with your organizations where they can not only learn more about you, but get connected to your services?
2: Sure. Uh, In connectivity with services, if people like to connect with the Aging Commission, you can call 222-4111. And if there's anybody out there like uh, to further the conversation with me about something they heard today, uh, you can reach me at 222-4150. Um, People
3: interested in learning more about Creative Aging can go to our website, creativeagingmidsouth.org. You can also call us at 272-3434. And I invite anyone who wants to know what's coming up or what's going on with us or how they can plug in um, to jump on that website and get on our email list so you'll receive communications about upcoming events.
1: And for those of us who maybe aren't quite in your audience just yet, Can you help us understand ways that we can support your work? Sure. We have lots of volunteers
3: um, that, that can be involved with us. We would love to talk to you if you're interested in volunteering. We're also always looking for people to help support our work. Corporate sponsorships are available or individual donations at any time.
1: Until next time. Bye. Bye know that was such an enlightening conversation for a lot of reasons, but I think especially as we think about our community as a place where we celebrate diversity, the diversity of age, thought, and experience is maybe lower on the list than we'd like for it to be when we think about building a future for our community.
0: I agree. I think it's often very much overlooked. And the wisdom and the privilege that it is to age is often seen as a burden, when in reality, it really should be looked at as a badge of honor. And I feel like we should all be celebrating the aging and the wisdom in our community.
1: And I I love hearing from these organizations that are leading the way and encouraging us to have more diversity of thought at the table, more diversity of experience and I think we're only setting ourselves up for success the more we can learn from those who came before us.
0: Absolutely. Um, And hats off to the Brooks Museum of Art, where we will be tonight from Memphis 101 for them already including everybody on the age spectrum as part of their um, innovation and brainstorming process to make sure that the space is great for everybody on all levels. So Honestly, um, it's time to kind of take an audit the way we kind of talk about here and see how each of us and each of you is incorporating that diversity um, and all that that means in your day to day life and in work.
1: It takes us all. So hopefully this week we can take some time to to think through the opportunities to gain a different perspective and to engage with the folks in our community a little differently. Absolutely. Till next week. Bye independent bank is celebrating 25 years of sharing your stories building your dreams and serving you heroically find out how iBank can help you achieve your financial dreams at i-bankonline.com member fdic